Um, we're studying through Mark chapter one, two, and three, and we are starting tonight on chapter three. So we've been doing that for a little bit of time. Uh, I'm trying to remember now. I was talking to somebody about that, and I think it was back in, oh goodness, I'm trying to remember now. I think it was October when I started doing this. But um, so we've got a few more lessons left in me in Mark chapter three. Um, and tonight we're going to look at the, the first story there. It's the first six verses, Mark chapter one through three. And I've titled this The Priorities of Jesus. And I think that'll come clear as we get into it. But um, just to, to get into the thought here, Mark starts in Mark chapter one, verse one, and that starts at the beginning. And he says that this is the beginning of the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> And as the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's that, that, that word gospel. And some of you that may not have heard some of the early on lessons about that statement, the gospel of Jesus Christ, I think it's worth repeating that this is a, it's a political announcement. It is one that's saying the King, King Jesus is here and he's ready to take over. And he is, he is putting himself at odds with the government of the moment. Um, in that case, certainly there's a there's the Jewish leadership, which he's running into. We'll talk about that in just a minute, the religious order. But there's also a kind of secular political order, the, the, the Roman government. Further, I may have mentioned this a few times, but I think it's worth keeping in mind, Mark, John Mark, the, the writer that's in view here, who I happen to believe, and people can disagree with me, but I happen to believe that uh, the Apostle Peter was sharing his stories, his experiences with Christ to John Mark, who wrote these down for the purpose of the Christians in Rome to hear about the gospel of Jesus. And I think there's a purposefulness in making sure people know this is King Jesus using the word gospel, that sort of this politically tinged wording to say, there's somebody that's, that's stronger than you, Rome. And I think that was intended for the Roman Christians to hear, hey, your king is Jesus, not Caesar in Rome. But the point of all, all that is to simply say that here's Jesus that is announcing that he is on the scene. He is the, it's his gospel. It's his, the good news of the new ruler. He is clearly a threat. He is actually even in, in his, in his, in, in a, in a Jesus way, he is threatening the Roman government saying, listen, I'm the one that's ultimately in control here. But he also has made in, in this part of uh, Mark, really at the, um, uh, the last part of chapter two, after he has that encounter with uh, the, the publicans and the sinners in, what is that? I'm looking back now, we're in verse like 50, uh, when, he, when he goes to Levi's house um, in 14, 15, and he meets with the publicans and sinners and he's hanging out with them and, and trying, to, trying to engage with those guys. And then he has the encounters with the Pharisees and scribes after that. From verse 16 to the end of chapter 2, Jesus is now not just making claims against the Roman government. He is making some pretty bold claims that really put him as a threat to the religious order. Uh, in fact, in verse 28, chapter 2, verse 28, he says, um, therefore, the son of man, and he's referring to himself, um, and anybody in the Jewish uh, time would have known that he is talking about the Messiah, when he says that, but he's talking about himself and he's referring to himself essentially as Messiah. The son of man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And there's only one Lord of the Sabbath and it's God. So he's putting himself in this position to say, <clears throat> I'm God, <laughs> I'm in control. I'm, I'm on top of all of these things. 
And in that way, he is doing nothing less than claiming to be God, claiming to be in control of everything. And he is, he is a threat to the religious order of the day. There have been up to this point, four run-ins with religious people uh, just in chapter two. And here in chapter three, there's a fifth now fifth run-in with the religious people. And uh, we're going to look at that here in just a moment. I want to begin as we study this passage. Now that's all prelude kind of introduction to it uh, with uh, what I'd like to do before we study this together. And I hope you'll join me in this and let's just pray and ask the Lord to kind of give us some, <clears throat> some insight and some uh, willingness to apply this. Cause I think that's the, probably the, the thing that's often missing from Bible study is how do we, what are we going to, we, we learn it, but now we need to do something about it. Help us to do that. Let's, let's pray to that end. Pray with me, please. Father, I'm going to uh, attempt to share the good news of Jesus with these people. I think a lot of these people that are on here are friends. They have been historically and thank you for friends that, that are willing to listen and learn from me. But Lord, there might be some who are questioning. There may be some who have not heard this before. There may be some that this is shared with that need to know about who Jesus is. But regardless of whether they are believers in Christ or not, would you help us to hear Jesus and listen to him and obey him? I'm asking you to do this for us in Jesus' name. Amen. In this text, so that's, I think the best thing to do is just to go through it kind of from the beginning down. And then you'll see in verse one, chapter three, verse one, says that he, this is Jesus, he enters, excuse me here, enters again into the synagogue. So he's going back to the synagogue. This is where he's encountering these religious people. As I mentioned, this is the fifth encounter. And there was a man there which had a withered hand. So he's got <clears throat> some kind of, I don't know if it's a deformity um, if maybe the muscles are drawing up, there's any number of reasons and explanations, but he's got something wrong with his hands, withered hand. It's not working as it should. He's got a, he's got an ailment here that he needs some help with. And as they watched him now, now the, the way this is written, you may or may not know who they are. You'll find that out as you read on, but I can go ahead and tell you they that are watching him are the religious leaders. You'll see them kind of talked about later on here, but they're watching him. And it's as they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. So you've got these religious leaders who don't like Jesus, who are against Jesus, and they're watching him. They see this man with the withered hand coming in. Jesus is there, and they're saying, is he going to heal? It's a Sabbath day. Is he going to heal? Because he wasn't supposed to do that. You'll see in the previous time he, he, uh, uh, he has conversations about healing and all that sort of thing. But he says, no, we're not going to, is they going to heal or is he not going to? They're going to try to watch him because they want to throw more accusations at him. Go to verse three. <clears throat> and he said, uh, saith unto the man, which had the withered hand, stand forth. He says, just watch out here. I'm going to help you here. And here's what he says in verse four. He says unto him, he saith unto him, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save or to kill? And they held their peace. So here Jesus is asking, <clears throat> I don't know if he means it as a rhetorical question. I think he intends for people to answer, but nonetheless, he asked the question, what's the right thing to do? Do you heal or not heal? Do you, do you save life or do you let, let, let people die on the Sabbath? Of course, nobody is daring to answer this. And then in verse five, look at what Jesus does. And when he looked round, round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their heart, he saith unto the man. Now, just notice what's happening here. <clears throat> Jesus is looking around at these religious people. 
He's in a synagogue. These are people who are coming to the on the Sabbath to worship, to, 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 to do religious activities. And he knows they're watching him. Is he going to heal this guy or not? And he looks around at him and says, you know, is it the right thing to heal or not? And nobody answers. Nobody's answers. Just sort of looks at him kind of dumbfounded. And, I, and as, if I'm reading this correctly, it looks like he gets a little upset with them. He's, he's grieved with them. There's anger in his, in, his, in his eyes. And he says to the man, so as he's upset because these people will not, you know, hear his words properly and will not think through what the, the law tells, <clears throat> he looks at this man with a, with a withered hand and he says, stretch forth thy hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored whole as the other. So here's a man, his man, hand was messed up. Jesus says, put it out here. Jesus heals it. So his hand's better now. Now <clears throat> go to verse six. And the Pharisees went forth. Now they didn't say anything to Jesus. He asked them something. They didn't say anything, but they go out. Straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. It's interesting here, the Pharisees and the Herodians, if you want to think about it, this is a little bit of an oversimplification, but the idea I think holds is you've got the super right-wing conservatives and the super left-wing liberals uh, in the Pharisees and the, being the conservatives and the Herodians being more liberal. And they are in every way completely at odds with each other. But on this, they consult with each other to figure out how they can get rid of Jesus. Now, so that's what's going on in this story. Now, the thing I want to emphasize for you as you're reading this, I think, you know, certainly Jesus heals, Jesus does this, to help this man. But I want you to think about this story this way for just a minute. When Jesus does anything, and I think this is true of anything he does in the Gospels, but when he does anything, he does it on purpose. I don't think he's, unlike me, sometimes I do something, I'm like, oops, you know, good or bad. Oops, I didn't mean to do that, but glad it worked out. Or oops, I won't do that again. I made a mess. Um, Jesus is not doing that. He's doing what he's doing on purpose. He is very purposeful. He is he is, he's, he's not doing anything by accident. So when he heals this man, he does so in full view of people that are purposely, if you go to verse three, they're trying to get dirt on him. It is possible, entirely possible. I don't think it's clear in the, in the scripture here, but it is entirely possible that this man has been sent by these Pharisees just to see what Jesus is going to do. It's very possible. And, and I want you to think about what's going on here. Jesus does not have to heal this man on the Sabbath day. He heals him on a Sabbath day, but doesn't have to do that. It's a withered hand. Now, don't get me wrong. If your hand is withered, you want it to be working, so you want healing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's not, not a big deal. But according to the Old Testament laws, the, 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 the law of Moses, the way that uh, the, the exceptions, if you will, the exceptions for what... Um, you might do the work, do work on the Sabbath is to, to save life. That, that would be one of the exceptions. In fact, Jesus even alludes to that in verse four, that, you know, that's, that's an appropriate exception. So this man's life is not in danger. He could have literally waited a few hours to the next day and healed him and had the same impact, but that's not what he, not what he did. He did it on the Sabbath. He doesn't have to do this in the synagogue. He does go into the synagogue, but again, he could have, this guy might've been escorted out, uh, likely would have been escorted out with his deformity. He would not have maybe been allowed in the synagogue. Um, but even if not, both Jesus and this man would have eventually made their way out of the synagogue. So why couldn't he have done it outside of the synagogue? Um, and he doesn't, he, he doesn't have to engage these religious leaders. 
Jesus is not stupid. He knows these guys. They're out to get him. They're not going to let up. He's, there's nothing he can say or do that will make them say, oh, Jesus is a pretty good guy now. No, they're not, they're not going to change. But I think what you can take from this is why is he doing this on the Sabbath in a synagogue in full view of people who are, for all intents and purposes, his enemies? And I believe by doing this, he is as the king. Think about him as the king, as, as this leader, this master, uh, our rabbi, who is coming in to teach us and show us the right and true way. Think about it in those terms. He is now showing us by this act what his priorities are. And I think there are three priorities that we can pick out of this. There may be more if you want to study them. I'd be interested as you study. Maybe there's some other priorities that you've picked out. But let me just give you three that I was able to discern from this. I believe that uh, will help us just for, for the few minutes that we have together. The first one is you're going to see that Jesus is prioritizing people over politics. See, Jesus knows what's going on. He's not surprised by this. And it might even be why he did what he did, to be honest. But again, in, in verse four, he says, you know, he sees this man and he said unto them, not to the man, but to everybody around, because he knows what's in their mind. But, and like I told you, I think this man could have been a plant like literally been there just to try to trip Jesus up. But Jesus is using this situation as a teaching tool. If you look at what he says in verse four, he asks the question, is it lawful to do good or to, to do evil, to save life or to kill? He, he's actually emphasizing not just the pure legality. Is it right to do work on the Sabbath or not? That's kind of a legal question, but the ethics of it. Okay, fine. Are there exceptions by which we can essentially break this law if that might, that's not the right word right term but that, that's the idea are there exceptions what is that is it not right to help people that's the message he's he, he, these people are trying to build a legal case against jesus and here's jesus instead of saying you know what build all the cases you want here's a man who needs help do what you want to do argue all you want and i'll lose every argument if, if that's what it takes because i'm not trying to in fact look at what happens in verse five i'm sorry verse six they take counsel to see how they can destroy him. So Jesus, and I, again, I believe Jesus is fully God and he understands he's not, nothing's hidden from him. He has all the power that God has. And I believe in this moment, he knows that by doing this, that he is putting his himself in danger. In fact, he says in other places that he's come to give his life. So he's not surprised by this, but he is essentially saying, this man's healing is worth it to me. If that means you're going to crucify me, which he knows they will, if that means you're going to destroy me, which is knows what that's what's in their hearts, I'm willing to do that. Therefore, as followers of Jesus, and I want to be a follower of Jesus, I hope you want to be a follower of Jesus, you have to remember that people are precious to Jesus. He died for us. He died for people. So that means, let's think about it in practical terms. Stop complaining when you get people to come to your church that don't look like you, smell like you, talk like you, think like you. Quit complaining about that because Jesus died for those people. Quit profiting over the misery and misfortune of others. I think sometimes we can, and we, we can chalk it up to good business decisions and all kinds of reasons, but if we're a follower of Jesus, there is no excuse for a follower of Jesus 
taking advantage of someone. I'm not saying you can't make a good profit on your job and your work. That's not what I'm saying. But there's a difference between being profitable and earning a good living and frankly, taking advantage and and kind of uh, stealing from people for all intents and purposes. I think sometimes even as believers, and and I'm, as you may know, and probably know, I I would identify myself as a much more of a, on the conservative end of the spectrum from far as religious uh, thinking and fundamentalist and all those kinds of things. And some of, some of my brothers, oh my goodness, we want to argue and we are right and we would rather lose or rather win an argument. We'd rather win an argument than win a soul. And, and, and I'm not saying that truth is relative. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that Jesus died for people. He didn't die for ideas. And at the end of the day, your idea might be perfectly dead on right. But if you win an argument and lose a soul, you lose the heart. What have you gained? Ultimately, you're not you're not following Jesus, I think, as Jesus has, has, um, has given us an example. So instead, if we're followers of Jesus, we're going to love people. and We're going to be willing to sacrifice, including even our own lives, I think, to help people, to help the unborn, to help uh, the down and out, to help the, the, the rich and up. And all, all the we're going to be willing to help people at the sacrifice of ourselves. That's what Jesus is modeling as a priority for us. Second priority is Jesus prioritizes helping over hurting. Now, on the end of the at the end of the day, I think we kind of understand, you know, better to help somebody than to hurt somebody. But he is prioritizing helping to the to, to a higher level. He, he doesn't discriminate against who he's helping. This man, he's got a withered hand uh, in that culture, in that society. He probably would have not normally been allowed in the synagogue. It's actually a little surprising, which is why I kind of think maybe he was a plant that he was asked to go through there. Uh, to try to distract Jesus, but but Jesus doesn't look at him as an outcast, not at all. He, he, he sees him as a man to be helped. In fact, he's actually kind of angry. When I go back to verse five, his anger is not at this man. Oh, why are you in the synagogue? Why are you here on the Sabbath? He's not angry with this man, not by any means. He, he's angry at these other people around him because they're sitting there and they are judging Jesus and they're judging this man and saying, oh, what in the world? They're going to do something on the Sabbath day they got it all wrong. And Jesus said, I'm not going to discriminate. I'm going to help this man. I know he's an outcast. I'm going to help him. He doesn't delay his help. You see, this healing could have waited technically. Again, I told, I tell you, this man's not going to necessarily, as far as we know, he's not going to die, not from this ailment. It's It's a hand that's not working correctly. It's not like his heart isn't working or his, you know, he's got some kind of cancer or his, his, his limbs like with leprosy are falling off. None of that sort of thing. It's, his hands messed up. But Jesus doesn't delay, even though there might be, from a human perspective, good reason to delay. No, no, he's he wants to help this man now. And he doesn't debate. You <laughs> look at this. He does ask the question in verse four about, is it not a good idea to help people even on the Sabbath day? Nobody answers. And he doesn't try to call out a debate because he's not trying to win an argument. He's trying to get people to think here. But what does he do? He doesn't, he, they want him on the defensive but he's not trying to be defensive. He's literally saying, what's wrong with you people? Why don't you help him? And what he does is he deliberately acts to help somebody in need. In the process, he patiently teaches. Because if you look at what he says in verse four and the way he's talking there, yes, I think there's anger. I think there's frustration. I think there's, um, what, is the, what is the word that they, he uses there in verse, um, in verse five? Excuse me. He's grieved at the hardness of their heart. 
So I think if you, you there's anger, but it's ultimately a, a sorrow that these people just don't get it. And he's even patiently teaching these Pharisees who are plotting to kill him, but he's teachingly patient, teaching the, excuse me, patiently teaching them in spite of their spent sin, in spite of their stubbornness. So as followers of Jesus, our focus has got to be prioritizing helping people. We've experienced grace. If you know, I, I beg you, if you know Jesus, you know grace. You know grace because of Jesus. That's what he's done. He's given you his grace. And that means as much as it hurts, and can I just confess to you, it hurts me to say this, but I have to preach this to myself constantly. Don't seek revenge on those who hurt you. Can I say it again a little louder for those in the back of the room? Don't seek revenge on those who hurt you. That's not my job, not your job. Why? Because you've received grace. If God gave you what you deserve, if God gave Matthew what he deserved, oh my goodness, I, I could not only couldn't stand here talking to you, I, I, I would actually be in the pits of hell right now. But God gave me grace. And therefore, I'm to seek to help people, even those, the Bible even tells me to love my enemies. And loving them doesn't just mean being sweet to them. It means helping them. It means it, it means not taking revenge on them. It means not wishing destruction on those who are against you. It means not hoping for the worst, even for those who deserve the worst. Not hoping for the worst for them, but instead deliberately seeking to act and help those in need. That's what Jesus models for us. That's his priority. That's what he's doing in this situation. So the the, the, two, the two priorities he shows us are, people over politics and helping over hurting. But then third, <clears throat> he's prioritizing humility over hardening. Now, now understand this about Jesus. In verse four, he says, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? Now, I believe his primary intent is talking about this man with a withered hand. I think that's what everybody there would have heard and they would have understood that. I believe that's what he was talking about primarily. But I believe there's a secondary layer to what he's saying here that is absolutely appropriate that Jesus's healing doesn't, and as we know in other places where that, remember where the man, his friend brought, his friends brought him and Jesus was in that room and the friends took the roof off. This is at the beginning of chapter two. They took the roof off and lowered G this man down in front of Jesus because he was so crowded they couldn't get in. And here he is, he can't move. He's got to have his friends carry him on a stretcher. But what is the first thing that Jesus does for him? Not healing, he forgives his sins. Because that's the healing we all need is that we need our sins forgiven. We need our stubbornness brought, broken down. We need our, our hardness broken and turned into humility. We need to be helped in that way. So I believe that Jesus's healing in that broader sense was available to every man and woman in that room. Every person that would have been an earshot of him, it would have been available to them. Some of them were hardened in their hearts. You see that in verse six, when they see what Jesus does, or actually in verse five, he was grieved for the hardness of their heart. And what shows up in verse six, they go out, they don't even talk to Jesus. They go out and they start making a plan. In fact, they're willing to compromise their own principles, both the Herodians compromising with the Pharisees and the Pharisees compromising with the Herodians. Literally, this is 
two enemies, for all intents and purposes, diametrically opposed to each other. They are willing to come together so that they can defeat this enemy named Jesus. They're so hardened and so hardened that they are now seeking to destroy Jesus. This is not just a, let's keep him quiet. Let's argue against him. No, this is now, they're trying to kill him. In fact, you know, you know the story of Jesus. Because of the actions of these men, they collude with the Roman government and get him uh, treated like a criminal and he's nailed to a cross. So, so these men are hardened in their heart. Jesus is offering them healing, but no, they're like, no, 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 no. We're going to be against him. The man with a withered hand, on the other hand, in verse 5, he says, stretch forth thy hand. And what does the man do? He puts his hand out. He stretches it out for, for Jesus. And Jesus gives him healing. He gets the healing he's, that he needs. He's now whole. He's able to get to work. He's able to do things that he couldn't do before. He's able to be useful. All those things because he listened to Jesus. He was humble enough to hear and obey. The difference between the two groups, the religious Pharisees and this man who had the withered hand, the difference in how they left that day has to do with humility. One recognized a need, the other did not. And followers of Jesus are people who focus on hu humility, being humble. There's a lot of stuff in this world that's going to harden you. Some of y'all have experienced that stuff. And I'm not trying to even pretend as if it is easy on any level at all. But I want you to know the Bible teaches us, James chapter 4, verse 6, that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Instead of reacting to this world in a calloused way, they've hurt me, so let me hurt them back. I'm jaded because of this. So I'm going to be jaded against everything. And it's an easy place to go. I'm telling you from my own experience, it's an easy thing to do. It is absolutely human and natural. But the Jesus way is to say, I'm broken because of that. I'm hurt because of that. But I'm going to go to Jesus in humility and come before his throne of grace and beg for mercy and grace. And that's where I'll find it. The writer of Hebrews says this, Hebrews chapter four, I believe it's in verse 15 and 16. I may be off of my verses, but it's in Hebrews chapter four. So we don't delay in making those steps of faith towards Jesus. If you're not a believer, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, but you want to follow him, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to go ahead and go to him. You're going to go, you're going to say, I don't have it right. I'm never going to get it right, but I'm going to go to Jesus and he'll take care of the rest. If you are a believer, you're just going to right here, right now, you're going to say, I don't know what to do next, but I'm going to go to Jesus. That's what we do. We don't delay in taking those steps of faith towards him. We don't explain away, well, I'm never going back to that church or with those people because they are so mean or I don't like them or they hurt me or they don't know what they did. That's not how we're going to operate. We're not going to act in those ways. We're going to say we're going to participate in the body of believers because that's what we're humbly supposed to do. We're going to take Jesus's lead and humble ourselves and try to make reconciliation where that can be done. Try to make amends where it can be done. We're not going to wait on a better time to, to live for God because we're so busy and we're so important. We got so many things going on. No, we're going to say, Lord, I'm right here right now. I'm going to do what I can. You're going to change me, make me usable for you. That's what we're going to do. We're going to find, we're going to recognize that Jesus is not just all we need and he is all we need. 
but he is literally all we have. We're going to beg for his grace. That's what followers of Jesus do. So if Jesus is your master, he's your Lord, he's your savior, he's your king, if that's who he is to you, that's great. But that means <laughs> that means that his priorities have to govern yours. A lot of people want his forgiveness. They want his freedom. They want his power. And I, I do too. I'm going to line up right behind you and say, that's what I want. I want the forgiveness of God. I want, I want the freedom that Jesus offers. I want the power of Jesus in my life. I want those things. But if that's really what you want, then his priorities have to govern your priorities. That means humanity first, not your politics, not your profits, not your procedures, not your policies, not your preference. But what does it take to help people? and to help everyone, not just those people that are like you or that you like, and always be humble. Despite all the good reasons that you have for cynicism and hardness and bitterness, and man, do we have them, we're going to recognize that we are in need of a Savior. I hope this has been a help to you, the priorities of Jesus. I'm sure there are other priorities, by the way. If you're really engaged in this and you come up with some other priorities of Jesus that you see in this, I'd love for you maybe to drop those in the in the in the comments, the, the discussion below. Love to love to have you uh, have you participate in that way because I want to learn from you too. But I hope this has been a help to you. Next week I'll be on here again, seven o'clock next Tuesday, and I'll be looking at Mark chapter three, verses seven through twelve. We'll pick up right there. Mark 3, 7 to 12. And what you're going to see in that next little passage there is the power that shows up when Jesus is present. And I think it's amazing when you look at that, what happens when Jesus is really present. And I think there are lessons for us today, and I hope you'll join me next week to learn about that. Thank you for joining, and uh, y'all have a good evening, okay? Take care. <music>